I think you're really going to like this episode of STEM, Insider Tips for Greenhouse Pros. I'm Bill Calkins, and our guest today is a repeat guest, but it's his first time on his own. The last time we heard from Grow It co-founder Mason Day, he was accompanied by the other founder, Seth Reed. This time, he's joining us solo because he's the data guy at Grow It, and they have some fascinating data to share, or insights as we'll call the information this episode. So get ready to learn some of the favorite plants and current trends gleaned from hundreds of thousands of users and millions of data points. Also, this will be the very first time Grow It goes into detail publicly about their Insights program, a new product that will bring customized data and insights, there's that word again, to you. Data that you can use to drive decisions in your business. Let me remind you that as I shared the last time Grow It was featured on the podcast, the team behind this unique tech company are Hort People First and Tech People Second. So the information Mason will deliver this episode is firmly rooted in our industry and applicable for professional growers, garden center retailers, and the landscape trade, our STEM listener base. But to me, the most exciting part of this episode is not the current insights Mason will share. The part that has my brain spinning and thinking forward is predictive analytics, creating models and trend lines, not just to claim Monstera is a hot plant with millennials, which it certainly is, but to determine why that happened and what the next in plants will be. And as Mason explains, this can be done with data in our industry today. This is huge. But first, Connect Four, where we take a look at four points lining up to support one key topic. Someone in our industry recently shared a blog with me from Constant Contact, the digital marketing company, about easy ways to successfully start off new hires. I believe the new school term for this is onboarding. Back when I worked at the Garden Center, we called it throwing them to the fire or maybe even watering. But nonetheless, here are four excellent suggestions to implement in your new hire protocol. First, create an employee playbook. This is more than a company overview or list of policies. Consider covering the following topics to help your new team member feel a part of the business. And stay high level because once they're interested, they will no doubt ask questions and you can go deeper at that point. Who are your customers and stakeholders? What does success look like for this organization? What's the culture? Who are the team members? A good tip here is to have a bulletin board with photos of the team. Next. Set attainable 90-day goals. Give your new hires direction and actionable items right from the beginning. By identifying a few easy-to-reach goals, they'll be energized with early wins. I think the next level of this second suggestion is helping the new hire create a plan to work on to move toward these goals. Third, set up one-on-one time to get and give feedback. Put aside a few minutes a week for the first couple months to connect and engage with new employees. This keeps you in touch with their success and aware of any potential challenges or frustrations. My best managers have spent time working alongside me, shoulder to shoulder, to have these discussions. The time is super productive for many reasons. The author of the blog reminds readers that if setting aside a few minutes a week seems too much, just remember, there are 2,400 minutes in a 40-hour work week. The final chip in our game of onboarding Connect4 is to develop FAQ lists. What five to 10 questions does every new employee ask you in the first six months? 
What are the frequently asked questions that customers or stakeholders ask? Engage the rest of your team to develop this list. At Ball, we actually have a Ball-isms dictionary that defines some common terms that we use daily that mean absolutely nothing to many new team members. Words and phrases like URC, BCG, SharePoint, CAST, and so many more. And you know what? Come to think of it, I should make sure STEM is added. I can't tell you how many times I get asked what that means. And for your information, it's as simple as STEM, the little part that supports every single plant. Hopefully you can implement some of these ideas for onboarding new employees this spring. Investing a little bit of time in the early weeks and months will pay off big time. Now, let's hear some insights from Grow It. My guest this episode is Mason Day, the co-founder and chief data whisperer of Grow It. His ambition is to spread a passion for plants to consumers around the globe while supplying the industry with the information it needs to remain relevant to modern-day customers. Mason wasn't born in a greenhouse, but he might have learned to walk in one. And his first word wasn't geranium, but that's only because he liked petunias better. How's that for a bio? Mason, welcome to STEM. Hey, thanks for having me back. I, uh, I've been listening to the last couple episodes, and uh, just, I'm really excited to be back and uh, be a part of this great podcast. Awesome. I can't believe it's been almost a year since you and your co-founder, Seth Reed, were on. It was a, it was a great show, and it really got a good response from the listeners. Um, I will link to that in the show notes in case somebody missed it or had not yet connected with STEM. But uh, yeah, that was it was almost a year ago. And we talked a little bit about why you guys launched Grow It, um, the needs in the industry, your passion for horticulture and how those kind of merged um, into what, what Grow It launched as. And we talked about who's using the app, some of some of what they're uh sharing some of um, some of the ideas that that they're asking questions on. We also talked about the benefits to growers and retailers in terms of connecting and growing sales. We heard some stories of users who love the app, but now it's six months later and you have all sorts of new things going on. And, you know, it occurred to me that tech moves fast and six months is probably a long time in your world. So what's Grow It been up to since we last talked? You know, since the last time we talked, I feel like it's been way longer than a year or six months. Man, it's, time has been flying, and we have been up to a lot. But our big focus over the last kind of six months has really been to dig into the information that we're seeing from Grow It. So we are actually currently getting ready to launch what we call our Grow It Insights program as a as a product and a service, so that people can have access to. Uh, information on you know what plants are popular, what trends are coming down the pipe, um, and so currently we're working on a quarterly type report uh, that's broken out on a regional basis, um, you know, and we'll give you know different information about what do millennials like, what do boomers like, what are they looking for, what are people looking at, what colors are popular. So uh, we're really excited about that, and this is you know the kind of the first time that we're actively putting it out there. We've teased it for a couple years, but. Right now, the data is ripe, and uh, you know the industry needs to start taking a look at that. Awesome! I'm I'm excited to be sort of in uh, on the ground floor um, with with this podcast and learning a little bit about those insights and uh, how you guys are going to de- deliver those to the market. And we will 
definitely uh, get a lot more deeper into that as as this uh, episode goes on. So you talked about the insights and you talked about um, the fact that you guys have really been busy in the last six months. Can you sort of remind the listeners about the different pieces, parts, and the different ventures uh, that make up Grow It? Maybe a little bit about the social aspect, the what you guys do with garden centers and growers. Maybe I know you guys do some product testing. You work with botanic gardens, and I'm sure I don't even really know the half of, of all uh, the different elements of the industry that you guys are working on. So can you remind the listeners a little bit about these different ventures? Yeah, absolutely. And I think uh, one of the key things that you know people sometimes get hung up on, they think Grow It is an app. Um, but in reality, Grow It is a tech company that is seeking to identify problems in our industry and basically using new technology from outside industries, how do we you know, create solutions for those problems? And that's why, you know, sure, there is the Grow It app, uh, and that is you know, the social media component of that. And we are a social platform for folks that are interested in plants or want some help with plants so they can ask questions. And so, you know, we have just over 700,000 consumers that use the app. But at the same time, we also provide a solution, a digital advertising solution for garden centers via our garden shops program. And we want to get independent garden centers out there in front of these digital consumers, you know, where they're looking for plants. So we do that. Uh, and at the same time, we work with botanical gardens in the fact that, you know, apps aren't cheap to build and every botanical garden wants to provide a mobile experience to their visitors. And so we help them do that at a fraction of the cost that it would take them to build their own app. They can incorporate into the Grow It app and provide a, a real-time Bluetooth-enabled tour. This spring, we'll be launching an audio component to that as well, so things are really picking up there. And then uh, right now, we're also in the middle of our sampling program, so a grow out with uh, you know, consumer testing and trialing of new products and making sure that consumers are aware of what's coming to the market. So we're, we're working on that. Because of our, our large network, we're able to do that. And uh, that's something that we can provide back to the industry as well. And that really, you know, that that's a lot in itself, but it's still just the tip of the iceberg of, you know, what we're trying to do for the industry. Wow. So last time we talked, we really did focus on the social um, platform uh, that you mentioned. But yeah, I mean, the ability to deliver the digital messaging for garden centers, the botanical garden component, I think it's fascinating because when you go to any museum or zoo or really any sort of public um, place these days, you, you do have that full ex mobile experience. Um, audio component sounds great. I know the sampling program has really paid off for uh, the plant companies involved and certainly exposing a lot of your users to um, new plants and, and maybe new ways to use plants. So which of these five or six different um, parts that you just mentioned, where, where have you seen sort of the most engagement over the last six months or, or so which one's sort of growing the fastest in your mind so this fall we've actually done a lot with our tours to go program for botanical gardens and so just based on the fact that you know kind of we see seasonality just as the rest of the industry does and while we are actively seeing consumers talk about houseplants and then poinsettias was a, a big deal for us this year uh you know botanical gardens i think We've had, we almost doubled our number uh, that were on, on board in the last couple months. And that's really been big for us just 
and the fact that we're now able to talk about more than just the specific plants in a garden. We're able to talk about artwork, sculptures, the story behind the gardens, and that's really where you know we want to help gardens tell their story. And so that's kind of our big push in the last uh, few months. Uh, garden shops as well, and then you know we're really taking all of this information, like I said, and compiling that and seeing you know what where is the industry headed from an, an informational standpoint, and how do we prep the industry so that uh, you know we're not sitting there. And, uh, you know, people are asking for a product and we just don't have the supply of it because we weren't ready for this trend. I think that that's really the most exciting part about all these different ways that you intersect with the industry is that you are able to then collect this information. So can you tell us a little bit about the, the data that you guys are collecting? And I guess almost as importantly is how you see it benefiting the industry now and into the future. And that's when I think about the future in terms of technology, it really is near term and long term. Like what, because we need to make sure that we're relevant, you know, next year as well as in 10 years. So talk a little bit about the data that you're collecting and, and the benefits that, that you guys um, think it's going to bring to the industry as a whole. Absolutely. And I think your, your near and long term sort of outlines what our industry is capable of you talk about the near term retailers sure sometimes they're able to add items to their order you know 2 weeks in advance sure they put in their orders you know months in advance for what they know they're going to sell but if a grower's long on something you know can they sell more of these hanging baskets the retailer can make you know switches in a couple of weeks or even in a matter of you know a couple of days in some cases but when it comes to plant breeding uh, you know if there's a need that arises today it's not like we're going to be able to breed a shrub that fits that, you know, in the next two weeks. That's, it's a, you know, a 10-year process in some cases. So, you know, that's important for us to take a look at, that we have to look at, you know, the, the immediate trend information. What are people searching for today? What is that going to look like? So that we can arm retailers and growers with that short-term information that is all about, hey, this is what's hot in this specific region so that they can better sell their products where there's the demand. And, you know, that way, you know, they're not sending just equal amounts of every color to a given retailer when, you know, maybe pinks and purples aren't going to sell at that specific retailer. You know, we're trying to arm people with that information based on a region level, you know, and digging down as deep as we can, you know, ultimately we'd love to get to a point to say, hey, within this zip code, and given this customer, you know, you've described as your target customer, here is the exact color and product type that you need to be pushing out there because this is what people are interested in. But at the same time, we need to be taking a look at predictive analytics and using, you know, all of these 700,000 people that use Grow It. They all put in different data into the app. So what are they looking at? What are they searching for? What are they saying? What are their, you know, what are their questions specifically? What, what words do they use? What colors of plants are they interested in? What photos are they uploading themselves? All of those contain, you know, hundreds of data points. And for us to take that and use it as a training set and basically kind of create a, a model for saying, okay, this is now, and especially now that we've, we've been around since 2014, we can take a look at historical data and say, based on what happened in 2014, 15, 16, 17, we can start creating these trend lines and identifying, you know, 
where do specific plants, products fit in that? So that when a breeding company says, you know, should we be breeding in Alstroemeria? Well, we can take a look at that and identify, is that going to be popular? And, you know, it's not us saying, yes, this is popular. No, this won't be popular. But establishing, you know, and saying, yeah, oh, yeah, it looks like there's an 80% chance that that could be something of interest for a consumer. And, you know, it's, it's about putting, you know, when you go, when you go to the horse race track, you don't, you don't necessarily just bet on every horse. You figure out a couple that are, you know, the most likely to win the race, and that's where you're putting your efforts. And that's the same thing that we want to bring to the, uh, to the plant industry and, you know, help people figure out where they should be putting their efforts in breeding, sales, and, you know, ultimately, you know, targeting to consumers. When you said uh, it's about creating a model um, and creating those trend lines, I think that that's, that's very interesting. I don't know that that type of, I guess, thinking or strategy has been in place in our industry before. So, you know, I, I give huge kudos to you guys for sort of bringing that type of thinking to horticulture because it's being used in tons of other industries, right? I mean, absolutely. And I mean, you talk about machine things like machine learning. It's a buzzword, sure. But when you dig into machine learning, it's basically just using advanced calculus equations to understand where a given, you know, given variable, given variable x, what's your y going to turn out? What is that that end product going to look like? And um, so that's that's what we're looking at doing. You know, Amazon, they they know what people are going to buy before they buy it. That's their the whole, you know, spiel. Um, Coca-Cola with their new launch of this orange vanilla flavored Coke. Of course, they've analyzed the market. They understand that this is the product we want to put out there, you know, and say, because based on all of the information that they're gathering from their machines, from their audiences, this is the product that people are going to be interested in. And, you know, it's time that we take a look at how do we do that as our industry. And, you know, right now we're the ones that are looking into what are those algorithms going to look like? What is that? You know, we have the data, so we might as well now start figuring out, you know, what, what's the future hold? Absolutely. You know, when you said calculus, I thought you were going to go down the math route and I was going to end this call immediately because that is, I'm not a math guy, but I appreciate that you then kind of brought it, brought it home and made it very relevant because you're right. That is how consumer product companies are making decisions. And we all know this. We all see it happening in front of our eyes on computer screens every day. Um, and I guess I, again, I appreciate that you guys are bringing this, this type of um, information, knowledge, and strategies to our industry. So let's talk a little bit about Insights. I know you mentioned earlier that Insights is a new sort of product coming from Grow It, but when I first contacted you about you know doing this episode, it was partially because I saw a page of Insights, 10 Insights from the Grow It plant community that you guys were sharing at uh, some trade shows early in 2019. Um, I read through the 10, the 10 insights. I certainly agree with them and see them all in action. When I visit garden centers and talk to, uh, you know, regular people buying plants, I'm just, just wondering if you could, um, you know, talk a little bit about some of those insights and go through them, maybe not all 10, but the ones that you feel are most relevant to our audience, which again is greenhouse professionals, garden center retailers, and landscapers. So can you talk a little bit about some of the insights or maybe some that weren't even on this sheet? Yeah, absolutely. I think that, uh, you know, 
your audience has a couple different segments. So I want to make sure that, you know, we're touching on something for everybody, but definitely uh, when it comes to uh, plants and, you know, what's happening, uh, we, we try to break it out by generation a little bit. So uh, Gen Xers and, and uh, boomers, and then even some millennials now, we're seeing a, a huge uh, increase in interest of perennials in particular. I think that, you know, and I, I know that you're a Gen Xer, Bill, and I know that Sir. Uh, you were often characterized in your youth as the lazy generation. Um, I will say that your your love for perennials isn't doing much for that. You know, plant, set it, and forget it. Um, but and it's the old school perennials too. I think that's something of interest that we we don't often think about is that you know things like iris, daylily, Asiatic lilies. These are perennials and plants that have been around forever, and uh, you know it just shows what their lasting power. Uh, it is out there and uh, you know Gen Xers what I also like to say is you know the, the current homeowner right um, they are taking a look at how do they incorporate more of these plants into their lifestyles uh, and then when it comes to Millennials and some of those younger Gen Xers we see a ton of interest in things like tropical hibiscus where it's a tropical plant with a giant showy bloom uh, that they can use sort of as an annual. It works in their, you know, some of their garden beds, but it also works on the patio. Uh, something like tropical hibiscus, they can even set on a windowsill in their house. Uh, and it really, we see a, a ton of interest in these showy blooms outside on a patio, right? Things like tropical hibiscus, sunflower, uh, and then once we get into the landscape, things like peonies. And uh, we expect that trend to continue. And actually, I just pulled the numbers today. Um, yellow is the most popular color when it comes to flowering plants on the app. And, uh, you know, it's the favorite amongst millennials, but it's also the favorite amongst boomers and Gen X. So uh, I think a lot of people actually tend to say that millennial isn't a popular color, but that's something that we're seeing the exact opposite of. And then, you know, I can't make it through this conversation without mentioning houseplants because we, it, you know, anybody that looks at Instagram understands that houseplants are enormously popular. We see houseplant influencers popping up all over the place. And, um, you know, I think this is really an evolution of the succulent trend and craze. And not to say that that's gone anywhere at all, but uh, people are realizing that there are a lot of houseplants out there that are quite easy to take care of and uh, almost a collectible. And that's kind of, we actually put out the Peperomia was our, our prediction for the it plant of 2019. And uh, just because, you know, there are hundreds of different varieties or, you know, species of Peperomia that are available to consumers. Some are a little more creepy. Some are a little more upright. And I didn't mean creepy like scary, but, you know, um, I guess trailing. And then mm -hmm. different leaf patterns. But again, it's, it's all of this foliage that people are interested in, and it doesn't necessarily... Um, correspond to all house plants because we have seen that orchids are not necessarily seeing that increased growth in popularity as fast as things like peperomia, Diefenbachia, um, pothos. So, so yeah. That's cool. You know, and I, I do appreciate your cheap shot. You took it Gen Xers. Um, <laughs> and I, and, you know, when, then when you were talking about, you know, tropical hibiscus, you know, it's, Obviously, we know the millennial generation wouldn't exist without social media, and you guys just interact via uh, technology, but it occurs to me that a lot of those plants are 
very social media worthy. So it would make sense that, you know, we're seeing a, a trend towards some of those plants that, that do look great on camera. So do you As, think there's an element of that, that that factors into this, the sort of looks cool factor? Oh, 100%. And especially when it comes to house plants. And, you know, there's so many people that we, we see, like, just even if it's not their house plant, but they're walking through a, like, a well-manicured office building and they see something and then they have to, like, take 15 minutes to get the right photo angle and the right filter. But, uh, you know, that's what's like-worthy, right? Everybody's searching for the that validation from their community. Um, I have some thoughts on that myself, but I'll keep those for a later time. But, you know, it definitely plays into that. People want to take pictures of something that, one, they're proud of, or two, they want other people to be proud of them for. Okay. No, that... that... That definitely makes sense. I can see it in action, certainly um, when you when you look across uh, social media and just sort of interaction in general these days. So I, I think that these insights are probably just the tip of the iceberg when it comes to the kind of information that you guys are going to start presenting to the industry. And, you know, you talked about identifying the IT plan for 2019. Um, but I think that now that you guys are able to really collect a, a ton of data across multiple parts of the industry and on a large scale and sort of bring this chain from breeder to producer to grower to retailer in terms of trends and tactical strategies. What Talk a little bit about your insights program and how that is going to deliver some of this big data down to a more digestible level to the folks in our industry who then can impact the products that come to market. Because like you said, you know, maybe there's a, a, a trend toward yellow or yellow is the most popular color on, on the, on, you know, on grow it, but perhaps it isn't the biggest, you know, mix of a, of a new plant palette when a breeder is working on it. But how, how are you going to deliver some of this data um, to our industry to help us make better decisions uh, when it comes to, I guess, what, what consumers are looking for now and in the near future? Absolutely. Um, so as far as our insights, our program goes, we're, we're starting small because we have to. We have to have a starting point. We can't just jump out and say, you know, hey, give us all your data and information. We're going to figure out what, you know, what your next sales plan is for the next 30 years. We have to, you know, figure out, you know, let's take a look at what's popular now in the here and now so that we can get a better understanding of what these trends look like when they're in. And um, so that's where we're starting at. And our, our insights program, so it starts off at uh, 500 bucks a year for, you know, it could be for growers, could be for retailers, uh, you know, breeders, distributors. But really at the end of the day, this information is going to be really useful at the grower and uh, retailer level. And so, you know, it's about identifying, you know, how do they do the, the you know, how do they market plants this spring for, the consumer because you know a lot of those orders are already in a lot of growers are already growing you know so we can't necessarily make a change there this year but what we can do is we can help them understand that hey this is what consumers are going to be looking for and this is what's going to sell the fastest so if you can sell out of that quick then figure out you know different marketing strategies around those other products that maybe aren't so common or aren't so well known or aren't so sought after um, to, to go ahead and do that. And then when it comes to 
more of that breeding level, right? So creating the future products, you know, that's where we have sort of, you know, it's this insights program is kind of a, a preview of what we can do. This is where, you know, we can show you like, hey, we have all this information, but really it, it goes further and, you know, and we have to have a conversation with that breeding company to say, hey, what, what are you working on? Let's figure out what we need to take a look at, you know, because a lot of our information is at a class level, but, you know, we can dig deeper even into a variety-based level to figure out, okay, here are, the, here are the five varieties that have been released in the last five years that are, have actually done something, um, but it really takes more of a partnership type effort because, you know, it's a give and take. We need to understand what you're looking at, uh, you know, breeding for the future and also what we're seeing. It's not just, we, you know, we have a ton of information and for us to just give you, a, you know, a dashboard um, doesn't do you a whole lot of good and we want to go further than that. So, you know, what, I, what I'm hearing is, especially when it comes to the here and now, it's, it's telling the right story. It's, yes. you know, it's actually meeting the end consumer, you know, whether that's a landscaper or a homeowner, at the point where they're, they're asking for the information. So I think that that's, um, that's certainly a huge part of this insights. And then the future, you know, that next evolution, the future breeding, I mean, that's, that's super exciting. And I and, think, Bill... Uh, uh, a big piece of that, too, is that one piece of our insights program is identifying what users, our users, our consumers, are struggling with. And that's where we actually have a question and answer platform that we can harvest all the questions and, and how many people are viewing them and answering them on the app to understand that um, one of the big things is that users are really struggling with these expensive houseplants that they're purchasing. Things are going wrong, like they're getting leaf spots, you know, leaf spots, and they don't know what the cause is because they're not experienced enough to understand, is it a pest? Is it a disease? Is it bacterial? And nor do they understand that those, that all of those things can affect a plant. And if they don't understand that if, you know, there's not cutouts like a hungry caterpillar on a leaf, that it's a pest, you know, aphids don't necessarily put holes um, you know, visible holes in the leaves, but they're still eating the plant and they're a vector for disease. So uh, there's lots of things that people are struggling with and we often don't get to see that uh, from a retailer or grower perspective. And hopefully uh, we can provide some insight to that. And I remember having that discussion the last time we talked is that that's actually a really good opportunity for um, garden centers and growers to get get involved with the social platform and answer some of those questions and you know sort of share share the knowledge that our industry has with the users who like you said probably don't have a, a huge knowledge base when it comes to uh, how and why plants grow why they have problems so um, no I think that uh, that insight that you guys are going to gain from the the struggles of your average plant owner um, is certainly going to uh, help us solve those problems and create you know future future consumers that are more successful. So, I mean, it's clear that data is very very important, and and you guys are really just you know getting into how we can use this data in our industry. Um, the really exciting thing to me is that it actually comes from people the users of Grow It, um, whether that's your social platform, your interaction with the botanical gardens, the information you're getting back from your sample programs. Um, when you look across these different uh, uh, 
I guess, users of the, the pieces, parts of Grow It, how engaged are they um, when it comes to, you know, sharing back this information? And can you tell us some stories about today's plant owners? Because I think they're probably very different than yesterday's plant owners. Yeah, and I think it's, it's important to note that, you know, not everybody that uses Grow It uses it in the same way. And our members, you know, some people don't post any photos, but all they do is comment on other people's photos. Whereas some people just post photos and that's fine. And everybody has their own spot in the community. Um, and I think that that's the, the key here is that Grow It is a community, a digital community for people that are interested in plants. And it doesn't matter if they're a plant expert or if they are just buying their first, uh, you know, peace lily. I actually had a, I had a friend from college text me and say, hey, I, I just bought this plant. I have no idea what it is. And uh, I don't know what I'm doing. I, I don't know why I even bought it. I said, boy, uh, I have an app that you could check out. And so I jokingly said that to him and I sent it. So now he uh, he actually downloaded, started using it. And he, t he texted me the other day because we were working on our servers and he was upset with me because uh, the, the app was like, we're working on it for like a period of like 15 minutes and he couldn't check to see what what the status was on his plant photos and what the answers were coming in and i was like man you're hooked but i mean that's that's the typical grow it user is that you know they they want that interaction with the community and it's that interaction that you know allows us to to learn a lot about how people are using these plants you know i think we as an industry view these plants a lot of times as products right it's basically, you know, an assembly line. We, we get it from seed to plug to finished product, and then it's at the retailer, and somebody buys it, takes it home. Once they buy it and they take it home, it's no longer a product. It's a piece of their lifestyle. And, uh, you know, we get to see how that, what, what happens. And uh, it's another kind of anecdote there. My buddy named his uh, Peace Lily Pierre. <laughs> we see a ton of people naming their plants. I will admit that everyone in the Grow It office uh, in Chicago has contributed to naming, I think we have about 20 plants around the office, and they are all named um, because of their personalities. So uh, that's that's something to, to keep in mind as well. And yeah, I think that's that's the community in itself is that it's, it's plant, it's people that have an interest at some level and wanna talk to other people that share that same passion. I think that's probably a, a very important thing for all the listeners to hear is that we see products, the plant owners see them as pieces of their lifestyle with personalities. You know, I, I've, I've not heard it said that that clearly, but I think that, you know, it just it helps us understand, I guess, the value of the products that, that we grow and sell and, and some of the value that that brings to the lives of the people who are buying them and, and using them. We may grow a four and a half inch Calabricoa. Calabricoa. No, I think you, you're right. you're absolutely right. They buy they buy something very different because it's very aspirational when they're when they're buying it. So earlier you mentioned predictive analytics, and I have to under, I have to admit that I did Google that and sort of had to figure out what exactly you meant after we had our prep call before this episode because it is a very sort of a new um, a new strategy for. Uh, I suppose, um, manufacturers and, and retailers and how you're using predictive analytics to make decisions. So when it comes to the predictive analytics that, 
that could come from or are is already coming from the Grow It platform. What could this look like for breeders and growers in the future? I'm going to leave this wide open because I know that this you think about this all day, every day. What what could this look like for breeders and growers? Yeah, absolutely. So it, it comes down to figuring out what are a given set of products that a consumer that consumers are going to be interested in, you know, one year out from now, two years out from now, three years out from now, based on historical data. Um, you know, we can take plants that are true that we look out and see like Monstera, for example, huge trendy plant right now. But what did that look like on the app three years ago? How do we how did we get to this point? And so if we can start creating, you know, these these models that analyze every plant that's out there. Right. So it would take humans, you know, years to do that, whereas we can program a, a computer algorithm to to do that in a, you know, anywhere from minutes to a couple hours to understand what that looks like. And then what we do is we start saying, well, what about this product that we have? A, we have the availability to grow or the availability to breed in. We can take a look at, OK, well, are we interested in at a national level, at a regional level? And then start to look at, like, here is the potential interest. And then, you know, analyze that against other things that we have the opportunity to breed in, you know, and, and really kind of understand that opportunity cost of time, right? It takes a lot of time to breed a specific variety. And we should be looking at what are those varieties that are going to generate the most interest and, you know, ultimately profits for a company. Uh, it all comes down to that. We, we need our industry to be profitable. And uh, that's how other industries do it. You know, Coca-Cola doesn't release, you know, 30 new varieties of Coke a year. They, they figure out what's going to work. And then they work on that, you know, and, and that's the same thing. And it, realistically, that's what our industry has been doing for years. But it's time that we get away from this gut feeling because, uh, you know, our gut isn't necessarily based on math. And uh, there is a lot of power in the data that's out there. And it's time we start using it. That's that's fascinating. And I think the, the Coca-Cola analogy is a very good one. Um, we also do not introduce 30 new products a year. We introduce 300 new products a year, and we probably hope that half of them will work. So I can definitely see how this um, this type of predictive um, analytics is going to really benefit us um, here in the future, certainly coming from the perspective of a plant breeder or grower. So if you were a grower or retailer, or I suppose a breeder, how would you use Grow It? One, I'd give me an email uh, and say, because, you know, that's that's where we're at is we want to figure out how do how do we use, you know, the information that you have as a business. You know, that's that's important, too. And that's important to know is that it's our information and data is great. But in conjunction with what you already have as a business, you know, it gets exponentially better because we have a better understanding of where you sell to what products you are good at growing. So, you know, yeah, sure, we can tell you that you need to look into, you know, this product, but if you just simply, you know, struggle growing it and the product isn't good when it comes out of your greenhouse, then, you know, we need to look elsewhere. Um, so, you know, that, and then also just to use the app, there is a lot of information that people can just go out 
and see what's happening in their local areas. And especially from a, a retailer level, like, man, get on board and take a look at what questions people are asking. Um, but yeah, when it comes down to it, it's, you know, we, we want to personalize the grow it experience one for every consumer that uses it, but also the business experience to every single business that is interested in, you know, basically get, coming on board for this data revolution. And, uh, you know, we can help, you know, figure out what your problems are. We just need to know what you're struggling with. Okay, so it does come down, like like everything, to relationships and having much more personalized approach because I think that sometimes get, gets lost when we talk about data and big data is that you can have all the data in the world, but if it, it doesn't make sense to your business model, then you're probably wasting a lot of time. And so I do think that that's a really good message to the listeners that to get involved with Grow It and to start sort of taking advantage of this data, it does come down to having that that initial call, that relationship. It's probably like when you when you hire a new uh, trainer to get you in shape, they're not going to give you the like an off the shelf program because everybody's different, right? Exactly, and that's a great analogy, Bill. Because you know, so many people ask us, and they're like, "Well, what can Grow It do for us?" And I, you know, I, I want to know like, well, what are some of your goals for the future? Are you you know, are you trying to reduce costs? Are you trying to get more customers? Like those are so different goals. And, you know, sure, if you want to reduce costs, I got a program for you and I can help you figure out like, hey, here are the plants that are going to be easiest to grow and you're going to get the most profit return on. But if you're trying to get new customers, that's probably talking about expanding out into different regions. And you're going to need to know, hey, as we shift north, you know, these are the products that we need to start looking at carrying. Makes makes total sense. So before we wrap this discussion up, you know, one of the things I know a lot about about you and the Grow It team is that you guys are out and about in the industry, involved in probably areas of the industry that a lot of our listeners aren't. I mean, certainly when it comes to the botanical gardens and a lot of the consumer um, interaction that you guys do, but, you know, also w- within the industry and some organizations. So what else is going on in the world of Grow It? You guys are out, out and about. What's what's exciting to you out there? What are you seeing out in the field? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so we are out and about. I will tell you that uh, Seth is on the, this is, I think his tenure is up in uh, June or July. I don't know when the switch is, but for he's currently on the board of American Hort. Uh, I serve on uh, the board of American Bloom, as well as the executive council for Niche the National Initiative for Consumer Horticulture, uh, as, well, as well as being heavily involved in Seed Your Future. And I think that uh, I often think we're in the era of the organization for the industries. And uh, But I have to say that all of these organizations are doing important things. And it's really about, you know, raising the awareness for our industry to the general public. Because for a while, we were really bad at doing that. And that's where we're, we're, there's this gap. We have to make up for it now. And so, uh, you know, Seed Your Future's work is crucial for making sure that we have the right bright minds and students coming into the industry, as well as, you know, niche, making sure that we're getting the funding, you know, from the government for the projects that we need to sell to consumers. And that's important. You know, if, if we're, you know, funding ourselves, 
that's great. But, you know, if there's help out there, we should be taking advantage of it and, you know, making sure that that money goes to the right projects. Um, and, you know, Niche has put out some great infographics to really help businesses market to consumers better. And we encourage people to take a look at those. And then American Bloom, I have to, I'm, you know, pretty closed lip on this one right now, but we are getting ready to launch a brand new program this spring. It's going to be awesome, um, you know, and get more communities around America involved with, you know, making their towns and cities uh, more beautiful at a level that, you know, we can take this, you know, to almost every community in America. So it's cool. You know, it, it seems to boil down to how, and even with what you guys are doing with Grow It, you know, with with niche with seed your future with american bloom certainly a lot of the outreach activities with american horde is about telling our industry story and i think that with grow it you guys are helping that story get crafted using data and a lot of these organizations you talked about are also you know looking at our industry from from different angles and and what is you know you trying to determine the best way to tell our story and get our in, get our information out drive our relevance to you know the the next generation of user whether that's a homeowner a landscaper a grower a breeder you know whoever it is that the next next generation that will um bring our industry into the future that that's exciting and i you know in the past we've had susan yoder from seed your future on stem we've had jamie kitts um, from Cicada talking about giving and growing. I'll put links to both of those in the show notes as well. So you guys are out and about. Where can listeners meet up with the Grow It team in, in 2019 and maybe early 2020? All right. Well, that is, uh, we are going to be all over. Uh, starting with the end of March, we will be traveling up and down the California coast for spring trials. We're out there talking to different breeding companies in the hopes of, you know, figuring out how do we help them out, you know, with this information. So if you happen to see us out there, you know, tap us on the shoulder and uh, say hello. And uh, then we'll also, I think we'll have one or two people at the uh, APGA conference in June, American Public Gardens Association. And obviously we'll be at Cultivate. And then, uh, you know, continuing on from there, we're at all of the shows in some shape or form, um, whether that be, you know, one of our ambassadors or Seth and myself, you know, and you know what, if, if you really want to know where we're at, shoot us an email, give us a call and, you know, see if we're in your neighborhood. And we'd love to have a conversation. If anything, uh, Seth and I are not known for being quiet. So, uh, yeah, let's talk. Awesome, which is a perfect uh, segue into really what's what's my final question in this episode, which is how can listeners learn more more about Grow It? How can they get in touch with with you guys? And are there any resources that that Grow It's making available now that that you feel the STEM listeners should should check out as soon as possible? And I will mention here that I'm going to um, put a link to the insights um, that, that we talked about in the show notes as well so that um, listeners can look at those 10 insights. But are there any other resources you guys are making available or how can how can a listener reach out, reach out to grow it or interact with you guys? Yeah, absolutely. We actually have a whole resources page that has this insights piece on it and I can get that to you to post, Bill. Perfect. And, uh, you know, sure, there's, you know, you can visit our website, www.growitmobile.com. And there's lots of information there, but at the end of the day, you know, 
pick up the phone, give me a call, 810-656-0200, or shoot me an email at mday at growitmobile.com. Um, this is this is a personal industry, and uh, you know I am I take phone calls all the time. Even if you just want to, you have a question or an idea, let's talk about it. You know I I'm a pretty decent multitasker, um, so taking a you know a 30 minute phone call not a big deal for me, and uh, would love to talk to anybody that has ideas, questions, or just wants to know more information about what we're up to. Excellent, and you know it's clear that that you and the entire Grow It team are so passionate about the future of our industry and bringing these techniques and strategies to horticulture to really keep us in the game. And like we talked about in the near and the long term. So speaking for myself, I appreciate what you guys are doing. And I really do hope this discussion inspires everyone to think about our potential and, you know, really how we're going to remain relevant in the coming years, because we're, we all got into this industry for, for the reason, you know, we, we love plants. We love, producing plants. We love seeing people use plants. Um, it really is an industry of passion and this relevance in the coming years is very critical, I guess, to our future. So again, Mason, thank you so much for your time and willingness to share your ideas with STEM. Yeah, absolutely. We- Thanks for having me, Bill. This is, uh, this is always fun. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's great to talk to good friends. So thank you. Absolutely. And we will talk again soon because I know that you guys move quick and six months down the road, you're going to be in all sorts of different areas. So uh, again, congratulations on what you're doing and uh, to make, make sure that you, I mentioned that to your whole team. All right, will do. Thanks so much for listening to STEM, insider tips for greenhouse pros. And special thanks for helping us surpass 7,300 downloads in our first 12 months. And we are way above that now. I think we're closer to 8,000. And if you enjoy this podcast, please take a minute to give it a good rating on your podcast player or, better yet, write a quick review. This will help expose more potential listeners to STEM. We really appreciate the support. I'm Bill Calkins, and you can always reach me by email at bcalkins at ballhort.com. That's B-C-A-L-K-I-N-S at ballhort.com or on Twitter at Bill Calkins. Be sure to follow Ballseed on LinkedIn for tons of B2B content related to STEM topics, timely technical tips, and more. And now you can follow STEM Greenhouse Podcast on Instagram. That's STEM Greenhouse Podcast, all one term, for behind-the-scenes looks, sneak peeks, and all sorts of good stuff. Let's end this episode with a quote from Rick Smolin, a photographer and the co-creator of the Day in the Life book series. Every time there's a new tool, whether it's internet or cell phones or anything else, All these things can be used for good or evil. Technology is neutral. It depends on how it's used.